All right, Inappropriate Earl is back, back in the house, currently number seven on iTunes Comedy. People are asking me who I paid off to do that. I didn't pay off anyone. It's called hard work, persistence, dedication, see it, believe it, achieve it. And as the ultimate warrior would say, do the fucking work, get raw. And speaking of getting raw, you see a man on my couch right now. It's not Ron Taylor. It's a very old friend of mine. This is kind of a reunion of the Willie Hunter show. Wow. A show that should have done much better, but it ain't dead yet, suckas. <laughs> Put your hands together for an Emmy-nominated writer. Might be the most talented guy I've ever had on my couch. No. The great Willie Hunter. No. You've had some people on this couch. I've seen I've seen your posts. Yeah, I've had a lot of people who do roast battle. You're the most talented person on it. <laughs> Please. Sorry, guys, who've been on the couch. Just... Oh, no, no. That was, they're very nice of you. Yeah, this is like a Willie Hunter show reunion, um, which I was thinking about that earlier today. How did... Because when we did the show, it was back in 2012. Maybe. <laughs> I, I believe the first show was... Um, Esther was the guest. Esther was the guest. Dean Del Rey did comedy. Did comedy. Um, and I think... Kelsey Peretti. Wow, that's crazy. Kelsey Peretti was the, the first guest. And I remember it just went horrible in the belly room, you know, because uh, people came there to heckle. They didn't, they, thought it, they didn't know it was a talk show. So they thought, oh, we can just show up comics in the back heckling the whole time. And I felt horrible about it. But I remember you were my co-host. And at the time, I was just a doorman at the store. I was probably like four years deep in comedy. And I was like, how did I get Earl to be my co-host? A guy has been doing comedy twice Uh as long as me. Uh, (laughs) Why did he agree to this? I was desperate. (laughs) I needed a gig. It was fun, though. And we're going to bring that show back. It was a lot of fun. Well, you're a great interviewer. You, I, I always would tell you this, and it probably sounded like I was, you know, uh, being passive aggressive with you or some zinger. But you really remind me of a black David Letterman. I, I love that. Yeah, it's not a zinger at all. It's a compliment. But you know, in this uh, world we live in, where uh, L.A. comedy roast battle, you know, I don't think you can take anything anyone says about you as a pure compliment. It's like. Oh. Uh, well, that's that's why I go to therapy, Earl. I go to Do therapy. you? Yeah, you go to therapy, and uh, I used to have trouble taking compliments because I always thought there was something behind those compliments. Because you know, we're in L.A., you want to know if what people's intentions are wh- behind what they say. Like, oh, great set. And even though I know it wasn't that good, I'm like, mm, I don't trust you. But my therapist says I should always accept compliments. Just say thank you and move on. So whenever someone gives you a compliment, just say thank you and move on. Well, yeah, I mean, you're a very self-aware dude. Uh, you know when you've done well, when you haven't. Yeah. Or when it's been just okay. I mean, uh, I think some comics uh, aren't the most genuine when they say great set. I had a guy tell me great set. Or maybe set. they don't even know what good quality comedy is. Well, there's that too. <laughs> uh, but I think they're, you know, they see you as a up-and-comer like, I got to get in with Willie, even though he just didn't have uh, maybe the greatest set. I'm going to tell him he did. Yeah. Or me, or, you know, uh, I mean, the OR is a tough room. 
toughest in the, from what I hear, the world. I haven't performed at worldly rooms, but everyone says it's the world. (laughs) (laughs) You're a worldly man, though. (laughs) OR is the, it's, it's the perfect room for comedy and the hardest room for comedy. What makes it the toughest room to you? To me, what makes it the toughest room is is when it's quiet in there, it's quiet. Like you can hear the the air conditioning is on. You can hear it kick on and off. You can hear the waitresses drop drinks. You can hear people coughing and sneezing, you know, uh, when it's really quiet in there and it, and it kind of fucks with you a little bit. Uh, what makes it easy is it's a black box. So you can get away with some of the darkest humor there. Real dark. Real dark humor. Sometimes you hear some things on that stage and you go, "There's that won't work at the improv. There's <laughs> improv's well lit and it's business is corporate, you know. Um, and what makes the comedy store really fun is, is it is a, uh, that OR is conducive towards other comics watching. Like if right. you're into town, you can sit in the back and watch or if you're an up and comer or an open mic or whatever you may be, you can sit in the back and watch the greatest acts in the country and in, in, in the OR any night of the week. That to me is the coolest part of the room. I, I, I still do that to this day. I'll go sit in the back and just watch Bill Burr or someone perform. And I remember some open micer came to me and says, what are you doing? And I was like, what? He's like, you're Willie Hunter. You're sitting in the back watching. I was like, yeah, you don't, you don't conquer comedy. You keep practicing it. Is I, I, I view comedy like medicine. And, and law, like you're always practicing. You never perfect it, but you're always working on it. You're always working on it. And if you're not, you're fucked. Oh, yeah. I mean, I go uh, almost every weekend. I don't have a spot and watch Brian Holtzman. Yeah. Uh, because he has this uh, in-your-face style that's not mine, but sometimes he'll lose the crowd, but 100% of the time he gets them back. Mm-hmm. And I like to watch to see how he does that. It's school up there. It is. And and that's a different style that of comedy that you need to see. You know what I mean? You can't just be stuck into one, this person this does this, set up punch, set up punch. That's why I liked Angelo a lot. Angelo Bowers, the great Angelo Bowers passed away. He would, uh, he had probably, of all of his sets, which they were all legendary, I'd say he bombed more of the time than he killed. Uh, but he killed in my heart because he had the courage to try out new stuff every time he went up on stage. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember he was probably the only person I've ever seen do potluck and go, wow, this guy's good. <laughs> because it's that's potluck's even tougher. Like, we get to get some sort of a regular crowd in the OR. Yeah. Uh, you know, potluck back then, you know, there was just all comics. Yeah. And just well, like, mostly homeless people. Well, all comics. <laughs> I mean, the comedy store potluck back then looked like a bus depot. <laughs> it looked like Tent City. And, yeah. And it was like you had so many types of characters. There was a guy that no face, remember him? I couldn't really look at him. Like, uh, I get, for you get, people listening, No Face was a guy that tried to kill himself by shooting himself and try to swallow a, a revolver or something. And he had the gun tilted a little too further out and it just split his face wide open. And they sewed it back together and made a hole in, in the mouth area. And so he has no nose. He has like a hole where he just, I guess, sips through a straw. Or oh my God. But he would go up on stage. And he never talked about it. Which I liked. 
Because it's like, you got to figure he's so insecure about how he looks. Yeah. Or maybe he isn't. uh, That he would address it and make fun. I, if I blew off half my face, I would roast myself basically. That, yeah, I guess so. Uh, you know, that's, I always like comics like who are fat, like, you know, Ralphie may never addressed how big he was. Yeah. Even though you're like looking at him going, dude, are you, and I, we all love Ralphie. Like, yeah. He was the best, but that's why he was so great was he didn't do the easy joke. Yeah. So, uh, no face, uh, didn't quite achieve Ralphie's level he of fame. Not, he not at all. I don't even know where he's at. No one knows. I hope he's fine. But you have the Earl Skakel stamp of approval. No face. <laughs> well, that's not going to do him very well. Uh, you, yeah, these characters. Uh, and I, I love every now and then. I'll, I'll tell some comics who've known these characters. I'll just throw out a name and see if they remember them. You know, like Elmo Vato. Oh yeah, with the mask, the, the, yeah, the uh, mask, the prim- primordial ooze. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a Tonka truck. That's all I said. I'm gonna be a Tonka truck. That's what I want to be. You know. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, people now, since the comedy store is a little more mainstream and like, uh, you know, a legitimate. Yeah. I think it's the number one club in the country. It is. Uh, so you know, you're not gonna really let uh, Elmo or No Face uh, get a lot of stage time. There. Not anymore. But back since you then, can't. Back then, though, when the comedy store was nothing, you know, back in the, for me, I, I start coming around to the comedy store around 2008 and, and you years before that. But during that time, sometimes there wouldn't be a show in the main room. Um, for were, days. For days. Uh, you were lucky to have an audience in the OR, you know, of 40 people. You were lucky to get that. Uh, now they're selling out every night. It's really... Uh... And people who are coming around now, they don't get it. Like, it really was the dark era. Of- well, I see them at the front patio of the comedy store having a good time. And I it just, I have flashbacks from when I was a young pup coming in comedy. Um, going, there's no way I'd be out having a good time on the front patio of the comedy store when there's jokes to be said and rooms and mics to hit. You know, we, we would only come to the comedy store to perform not hang out. I always felt like sometimes you get caught up in that comedy store scene and you lose focus because it is a party scene. You can get, oh my God. You can get caught up in it and you lose focus on the task at hand, which is to be a comedian, not a person in comedy. Yeah, but you get that. Like I see even today, uh, even last night, uh, the sacred ground, which for those of you not in the uh, know of the comedy store layout, it's an area in the back where people... Uh, Enjoy all kinds of refreshments. And, yes, uh, refreshments is, is a very clean word to use. Legal refreshments. Legal, yes. Nothing nothing crazy. Right, um, no. At least not out in the open. And Well, that I, I, I have no knowledge of. Uh, <laughs> but it's like 30 comics I've never really seen before. And it's like, why aren't you guys on a stage somewhere? I mean, like, it almost bothers me. And it it shouldn't. It does bother me, yeah. Because it's like I worked so hard to get past uh, up there and struggle for so long. And like, you people think smoking some Pico and Hoover. <laughs> well, also those little treats like Sacred Ground, the bucket seats, parking in the parking lot, the comedy store discount for the drinks. Those are the perks of becoming a paid regular yeah. at a comedy store. That's what you work for. So when you see people enjoying a couple of those perks, you kind of get a little bothered. I do. It, you know, it's, last night it was just like... I almost lost it back there. I'm like, who are you people? Like, 
this is this your home? Like you got to be in here. Like the you go in the back bar, uh, you know, like same thing. It's like uh, I don't know who you are. I've never yeah. seen you here before in my life. How'd you get a better seat than I did? Uh, or you know, you, I kind of see it on roast battle too, like uh, which is the greatest show on earth. Um, it's given me everything. So I, yeah. you know, Brian and Jeff, like I literally, I can't say thank you enough to them. But you see some roast battle comics walk around the store on Tuesday nights like they're Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, dude, you're in for a real big shock, <laughs> you know, when your usefulness on this show is over. Oh, yeah. Beat it, toots. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, that's a whole nother thing. And uh, as much as I love roast battle, and it's done a lot for me as well, as also open a portal towards mediocrity a little bit. To where people just want to get on roast battle and they'll write a few little roast jokes and then they're like, I, I, I've made it. I'm like, no, no, no you, you haven't arrived. You haven't done anything. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they, uh, I, I, I know you're a basketball fan. I like to compare roast battle to a slam dunk competition. Okay. Like, you know, it, I, I, I know what you're saying. It's like it's like comedy. Stand-up comedy itself is the game. Right. It's basketball. And one of the well, like cool things about it is roasting people. That's stand-up comedy. But that's a byproduct of the game. It's, yeah. It's like, a, like a novelty, if you will. And not say anything bad about oh. roasting or anything like that. But that's what that is. It's, it's not going to help you with your stand-up comedy. It, it will get you credits, I guess, to do stand-up. But if you're not working on stand-up, why would you want to go? I mean... There's people walking around here that are headlining, and I'm like, I'm not a headliner. I, 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 I don't. I have about 40 minutes of material that I've worked hard on for the past decade, uh, but I don't consider I, and I can stretch that out, but I don't consider myself a headliner yet. And I could be wrong, but there's some people that've been doing comedy for a couple of years saying I got my first headlining gig. I'm like, why would you want to do that to yourself yeah, or the audience? Or, uh, if there is an audience, I mean, you're the headliner. I'm sure the one knows who you are. <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, I think you could headline though. You've got the TV credits to say, "Hey, you've yeah. seen him on the Carmichael show. You've seen him on Roast Battle. You, you know, every week. You know, it's not like you just did one roast." And then, by yeah. and by the way, you know, this just popped into my head. I saw a girl on a comedy show flyer say, "Roast Battle" as her credit. Now, there's 32 people. Who on can the use lineup? It. Yes. Jeez. But it was like, you know, Willie Hunter from Carmichael's show. Yeah. You can use that as a credit. Yeah. You were non nominated. I, I can't even talk right now. But <laughs> caffeine's kicking in. You were nominated for an Emmy for your writing on that show. You can say that. There's 32 people who can use Roast Battle as a credit. A few I don't like, but they, they were on the show. They were on the show. So it's a credit. This girl was not one of those 32 yeah welcome to hollywood did she do she probably she's using it from the comedies maybe she did uh, yeah but i don't think you could use roast battle as a credit if you d just done it in the belly room on yeah. a normal tuesday night yeah i mean why don't you put temecula roast wars up there too <laughs> you palming fools because then it ruins the credit for guys like you or me or uh whoever I don't even, you know, I don't even know if the audience really cares about credits. I think they, I think it piques their interest to come out. Maybe like, oh, he was, I didn't know he did that. Let's go check him out or whatever, you know. 
I think they do. Like, I could go on stage tonight at the Comedy Store and bring you up and say he just did an HBO special. They're automatically going to like you better, even nah, though you're right. You're right. No, I'm not. I mean, you know, I I could be wrong. I I uh, they're gonna they're gonna at least give you a try. Oh, you know, or if they said about me, like uh, he just uh, headlined. Uh, I don't know, just for laughs. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you only get their love for it that first minute. Oh, I've seen I've seen that happen to Chris Tucker before. He went up in the main room one time, and everyone's like, "Chris Tucker." The crowd gave him maybe a minute. I mean, it was a black audience, too. So they give you a short amount of time to really showcase your talents. Fuck that. <laughs> Sorry, Uncle Levi. And, and uh, he, he was doing some jokes and just talking about being famous. And then the crowd just wasn't happening. They turned on him. I was like, God, if they can turn on Chris Tucker, they don't really care about me. Yeah. You think they care I won or finished third place in roast battle two years ago? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I was in rush hour. That's my Chris Tucker impression right there. Well, well, one time I was hosting Potluck and I got to bring him up. It was one of the coolest moments of my life. Was he nice? He was a nice guy. Yeah, I I, I made a little jab at him when I brought him up because he was wearing all white. And I said, oh, give it up. And you know, he's successful. He's wearing all white. Everyone give it up for Chris Tucker. Everyone. <laughs> Chris Tucker comes up on stage, kind of looks me up and down. And he goes, give it up for Richard Pryor's son, everyone. Richard Pryor's son. Hell, he could be my son. You know, and the crowd ate that up. And I was like, wow, I just got made fun of by Chris Tucker. So. And then he bombed for 10 minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's probably what happened. I mean, you know, I've seen Jeremy Piven do stand up. Oh uh, God! Not, I'd say this: he's a nice guy. Uh, it's a little rough. How do you know if he's a nice guy? Did you talk to him after? I mean, small talk. Hey, what's up? You know. Okay. Uh, was he seeking know. comedy advice, or did he bring up comedy? I think you know he was in sacred ground and uh, you know holding court, and uh, someone said, "Oh, someone pointed to me and go, this guy's really funny. You should ask him." But I said, "Hey, I loved you in Heat when you were the doctor trying to shake down De Niro for an extra hundred. and he laughed and just you know, you know, I, I don't know if he should be doing stand up. No, you know, no, he sh he should not be doing stand up at all. I've never. I get it. Uh, sure, it's free to everyone. Uh, everyone should try stand-up comedy. I always say that everyone should try it. You know why? Because it will, in most cases, comedy will either eat you alive and make you quit, or you will succeed. I mean, we've seen a lot of people over the years. Oh, yeah. Funny people, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I've almost quit several times. Oh, just... I, yeah, me too. I mean, <laughs> that's a normal thing. You, you ask yourself, am I, what am I doing here? Well, there's so much... Uh, that's out of your control like yeah you know you, you know it's just like um i mean jimmy carr gave me the best advice my buddy people think we don't like each other but i've seen you guys all we love each yeah. other yeah i got he's like the best and he was just like i can't do an impression of him but he was just like earl worry about your side of the road and be funny and in some ways it's like well no shit jimmy yeah but when you get that advice from him it's like oh yeah, I guess if he's saying it, it's got to be true. Yeah. Because he's pretty successful. Yeah, I see that sometimes when I see a physical comic on stage or something and they're killing and it makes me go like, man, I need to get, I need to do more physical stuff. And I'm like, but I'm not, I'm not a physical comic. <laughs> yeah, no, I what can't. I, what am like, I doing? What am I, I going to hump the stool like everyone else? No, I, I don't, I don't, I don't do anything. What, I mean, I can't, but yeah, it's like Tom Brady doesn't look at, uh, you know, Michael Vick and go, I got to run around like that. Yeah. Like he can't. Exactly. You can't. So, yeah. 
I like that Jimmy Carr said that Jimmy Carr. I really liked his special. I remember when I saw it, and I was a, I was a, I was slightly starstruck when I met him in Montreal. I was a little bit. I was like, because I really admired his his special, and he was, and he's a nice guy too. Oh my God, he's like, like his roasting demeanor is so opposite. Like he's almost kind of quiet. Yeah, off stage, and like if you have a conversation with him, it's like this. It's very like you know, low volume yeah. and uh, intelligent. And he's listening to actually what you're saying. You know, most comics, you know, so who's in the room, <laughs> who's over Willie's shoulder. But isn't that like a great, a great quality that people don't talk about in Hollywood is that quality that, that you have, I have, and even Jimmy, Jimmy Carr, we're talking about now is that pleasant to be around. And not only do you want this person to succeed, but you're willing to help in any shape or form. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, a shout out to a man in chat right now who has helped both of us. Oh, okay. Given us many, many uh, spots and uh, just a shout out to Red Band. Oh, Red Band. House. Hey, buddy. <laughs> but that's what, what I try and emphasize to people the most is like, you got to be liked in this business. Yeah. You know, you... Uh, there was this comic, and I and I'm not gonna say his name because I don't want to cause any. Oh, of course. Anything. But he he is a uh, he's a veteran. You you're talking about me? No, oh. no, no, not not comedy veteran, like an actual like a like a war veteran or something. Oh, okay. Like that. He's he served, and um and and nothing nothing against that, but there, I remember he was he was talking about how everyone in Hollywood's fake, you know. And no one's real and I'm fake and all, and all this stuff, you know, and I served. He kept bringing that up. I served. I think and, I know who he is. And honestly, at one moment in my head and I this is when I felt the most un-American. I wanted to say. Who gives a fuck that you serve? <laughs> Not in Hollywood. You don't say that. It's almost like you don't do that. If you give it up for the troops, you got to say that every time. And I, I am very grateful for the troops. But, you know. Like Donald Trump said it best, you knew what you were getting into. You signed up for. Yeah. He voted for me. You, you, voted, you know, but he was uh, he was just being difficult, and I was saying you're not going, you're not going to accomplish anything with an attitude like that. What are you, what are you trying to accomplish with that shitty attitude? That hopefully someone's like, I like your attitude. It's different from everyone else. You're difficult and you're mean. I want I want to put some money behind that. No one's going to do that. No one's going to do that. Well, it's funny, and I, I'm almost 100% positive I know who you're talking about because last night he was giving me shit uh, for my podcast. And, you know, I think it's part of their problem is they might indulge in the liquid uh, beverage. That happens a lot. Um, and he was like, oh, big deal, your podcast, me at number seven. You bet you think you're hot shit. I'm like, no, I don't. Like, there's a thousand podcasts out there, I'm sure. Uh, you know, there's many better than mine or, or whatever, yeah. bigger than mine. And, you know, it's like, dude, do you like, I'm someone, I'm pretty low on the totem pole in the world of stand up, but you know, I'm someone who could help get you at least through one or two doors up here. Yeah. And you're going to like, you think I'm going to do it now? <laughs> like, it's cool. You're being around your friends and you're shitting on someone who's above you. So maybe you're getting brownie points, you know, to these freakers but 
you know, and I see it with some roast battle comics where they don't turn it off and they're, you know, they turn the patio and in the parking lot into like a, an untelevised roasting session. It's like, yeah. dude, this, this guy can help you or a girl. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, you're one of the more well-liked people I've ever met in comedy. I've never heard. We've known each other 2008 probably. Yeah. Uh, certainly gotten closer uh, in the latter years. Uh, but I've never heard a bad word about you. And look at the success you got. Um, people, people root for me. I'm very grateful for that. I'm sure there's some people that, that don't like me, especially when I was hosting potluck at the comedy store for years. You host that show, you, you kind of make some enemies when you don't put up someone. I mean, I had a guy swing at me. You remember that? There was a guy comic that was coming in from New York. I was hosting the show. I and, do remember And that. I said, I can't put you up. And Tommy made me put him up. And this guy did eight minutes. He ran the light by five minutes and bombed for eight minutes. Got off stage. I walked out to the front and I said, don't you ever do that on my show again. I'm never putting you up. You're horrible. I said these things, you know, and I'd had a couple of drinks. So I was feeling, I was feeling very confident. And, uh, and then the guy gets in my face, goes, what did you say? I said, you heard what I said. And I meant every word that I said. And then I pushed him back and then he pushed me and then I pushed him again. And then he, he swung. And as he swung, Stuart Thompson comes walking out and he hits Stuart right in the face. Oh. And then someone from the bottom of the stairs screamed, he hit Stuart. And I saw like so many people grab Stuart's. This is how well like Stuart is. I seen so many people grab this guy. He was a big guy and drag him out to the outside of the club and push him out. You know, it was it was wild, you know, and I caused it all. I was an instigator. But when I knew that people had my back or Stewart's, whoever it was, I was like, well, I'm kind of liked here a little bit, you know. I mean, that was back in the day where you could probably get away with hitting someone and if, if they mouthed off to you. Yeah, not anymore. Oh, no, you'll get instant ban instant. probably for life. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, probably the only constant through both eras is Boone Shakalaka. <laughs> I don't know if he can do anything to get banned. Uh, I don't think he can. I mean, he can get, he, I mean, he should get me tooed by some of the male comics, but oh the, you know, I mean, he's walking around with a t-shirt that says like Jeremiah Watkins and Dan Biolette and Matt Egger, you know, he's walking around with t-shirts with their names on it. Yeah. Basically younger comics who he wants to fuck. Yeah, that's what it is. And uh, I, I find it funny because he has a type, which is uh, young, young and, and white. <laughs> he loves white guys. <laughs> he was talking to someone on the patio last night, young white guy, and he's getting closer and closer to like this guy has no idea what he's in for. Oh my god! Oh my god! But that's what makes the story the story. I think is they let someone like Boone hang out there. Yeah, you know, he flossing his teeth in the corner, picking his toes. Would be like, why? Wow, it's probably a billionaire is buying drinks right next to yeah. him. I mean, it does give the story that extra it's gritty yes you know and it's 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 not i mean it's not a corporation you know like your improvs which are all over the country uh and your laugh factory trying to franchise out as well and i'm sure at some point the store will franchise out there was talks about a couple years ago that possibly bringing one back to westwood which i think would be oh my god be I, amazing but i don't know the logistics of that because your your customers will be underage people so but i mean there's got i mean because uh i've often looked at that you know you know college students they're fucking lazy yeah they, they don't want to drive most some of them probably half don't have cars yeah 
I mean, I guess with Uber, it's a little, you know, uh, easier. Convenient but, like, I would think a comedy club in Westwood would do amazing business. Yeah, I, I think it would, too, you know. Um, if if they want to do it, I don't know. I just remember um, uh, someone telling me about that, and I was, I was like, that was a good idea. I think whoever told me that was saying, "Would Willie, would you want to be in on that? And I think they meant that as, like, a... Uh, like managerial or talent coordinator thing to that. And I was like, fuck no, I don't want to do that at all. I don't want, I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that stress. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to be a talent coordinator of anything. I mean, I thought, cause I respect comedy so much. Part of me would want to be a talent coordinator. You'd like to try it out. I, well, I'd also want to keep doing comedy. So, you know, conflict of interest there. I mean, Duncan Trussell was very good at, uh, doing both yeah like it's not like he put himself on it you know back in that dark era and in in, mm-hmm. like after caparillo or mm-hmm. uh i don't think i would I, i'd give myself the same two spots or one spot a week i get mm-hmm. uh and i mean you, adam be fair about it. i i think i would you know if i would put up someone i didn't like if i thought they were funny yeah i'm very good at um I think you are too of separating. Okay, I don't like this person, but they are pretty funny. I'll, if they haven't burned you too badly. Yeah, I I'll, do that. I'll tell Gerard about them. Hey, this guy or girl. I, um, what I what I do is that <clears throat> some people I'll I like I have I treat everything like an electron cloud. Right. Like friendships, like you know, you have your two electrons around your atom, and then it goes to four or six or whatever it is. I don't know. You science nerds know. Um, you, ju- you just lost my fan base. <laughs> they, uh, what I, um, what I, so I treat friendships like I have close friends and then I have acquaintances and then I have people I know. Right. And sometimes people don't know where they're at in that field. You know, when you meet someone and like I met someone for the first time and next thing you know, he wants to get coffee. He wants to hang out. I'm like, bro, we just met. And then I have plenty of friends or he's new to town, this guy. And I don't want to be a person that has to help. I mean, I'll help out as much as I can, but I can't guide anyone. Right. I don't know how how the hell I got to where I'm at right now. Hard work. That's it. You just keep your head down and do the work. I mean, you really are the the, like the poster boy for how to do it. You came out here, Alabama. Yep. I mean, not a lot of money, no connections, probably few friends. And look uh, at you now. No friends. I didn't know anyone out here. So I respect that. <clears throat> I mean, that's like. I couldn't do that again. I could do that. I could not do that now, I believe. I was 21 when I moved out of here. And I'm 31 now. But when I was 21, I really had nothing going for me. I just had some dreams and some aspirations. And I wrote a couple of scripts and I said, let's just go to Los Angeles and see what happens, you know. And, and then I, I took a Greyhound bus out here. But if looking back today, if I wanted to start comedy now, I don't know if I could do it. I would talk myself out of it. I mean, I think uh, you you probably did do it at the right time, you know, age wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like I would love to go to New York just because I think it's a better comedy city. But you know, at forty nine, I I don't know if I would be up for the grind of doing that. At twenty nine, I probably would. Or the New York grind. Well, I think it's a better, like, when I did... Dino the, Ray's doing it. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I think it all... Everyone's got a different uh, path and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, 
desire to do certain things that other people won't. I'm sure I do things Dean doesn't mm-hmm. and vice versa. You do things that maybe Moses, you know, doesn't, yeah. you know, uh, find appealing and, and, you know, yet we're all, I'm trying to change myself into, I'm not a road comic and nothing against road comics. I just don't like being on the road. I like being at home. I like, I'm a home base right. person. I mean, I'm trying to change that mentality because the road, there's, there's money out there, you know? Oh my God. And I need to get over my whatever hangup I have about being on the road and just do it. I mean, you know, I, I think the road, uh, depends what road, you know, I don't well, want I'm not to, talking about a trouble run. You know, yeah. I don't going up to Montana or it, Hey, can you pick up the headliner in Missouri? You pick up the yeah the headline in Missouri and on your way through St. Louis there's a Bella Hay Can you yeah pick that up too for my farm no I I it would have to be something cool and uh, I got I got some managers now that they're gonna help me out with that so hopefully hopefully I'll be at someone's city you know here pretty soon and and they'll be able to see me and then their town we do that with roast battle we did that we went on the road and that was fun and and I didn't mind it because I was with friends right when you're traveling with friends the whole roast battle crew I love all those guys. Uh, it's just the thought of being alone on the road. I think I would get bored and I don't really put myself out there as, as I like to think, you know, for adventures. So I just think I, I didn't get over that fear. I just need to get over it. Well, you're definitely ready for it. And, you know, you with your TV credits, you know, roast battle, the Carmichael show, like you wouldn't be doing treble runs. You'd be, you know, doing what Gerard did. Like when he was kind of climbing, you yeah. know, he'd do that comic strip in edmonton or yeah you know i mean new york you could the stand or the cellar or you know do you ever uh do uh like those showcases for like montreal and stuff like that i mean i showcased for uh new faces like i think four years in a row uh and i got uh discouraged uh I mean, now it's it's hard to you know when you're 49. I don't think new faces is really. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm not really a new face. Uh, but you know, uh, like you know, the first year I was pretty good. Second year, very good. Third year, I got a callback, uh, and two people who bombed on the callback got got it. And after that, I was like, okay, I don't get this. Yeah. I, you know, and, and the guy said, you know, they had me. The, so the fourth year is like, hey, man, you, you should have been there last year. But those two who got it, they have managers. Mm. So, uh, you know, that's what I'm. You I'm know. starting to figure out what managers do. I, I'm I'm starting to figure out what they do, because to be honest with you, they don't really do shit. Uh, they collect checks. And but what they do is they pester on behalf of the client. Absolutely. Like uh, someone said it the perfect way to me the other day. The only thing a manager's good for is being the bad guy so you don't have to. Yeah. So, uh, but they're valuable. Like I'm a, I think you and I are very similar personality wise, quiet, yeah. you know, and uh, not, I want to say a pussy, but I mean that from the More standpoint. reserved a little bit. Right. Uh, like, you know, like, for me, I wish I had a manager for roast battle to go, uh, is there a reason Earl's getting all the tough opponents and, mm. and other people aren't like, cause other people, managers were, were probably yeah. doing that. Oh, and I get it. Like now I, I mean, it was very frustrating to me to, you know, like in the, in the road to roast battle, which you were, you know, obviously there for like, I got Jesse Joyce, uh, 
who's an amazing writer, a, a, you know, a great comic, but it's like, that's a Comedy Central employee. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like other people on that season were getting their podcast partners, yeah. people they had already beaten, uh, you know, and I'm like, why? I mean, there could also be, and this is wrong to do, but that's, they also know that you're also capable of rising to the occasion. Well, that's what was told to me. So I thought, okay, I'll buy into that. I still don't believe that to a degree. It's like it's a Comedy Central employee. You clearly yeah. want your own on the show. I get that. And then, you know, Montreal, I, I would say my bracket was uh, bordered on unfair. Who was, uh, who's your opponent? Well, the first uh, opponent, the one that you guys oiled me up for. <laughs> was the the legendary Australian comic Tom Ballard. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. And uh in the in the roast battle LA world, not a lot of people know him, but you know, there was a roast battle uh season before we all went up there. It was like uh, it was the Jeff Ross Roast Masters. And a lot of people think Tom beat Jimmy Carr and he beat Tony and I mean he was just ripping through people and I'm like, mm -hmm. well, that's kind of a tough first round opponent. Yeah. And then I got Jimmy Carr. And it's like, well, what? Like, huh? Like, why Why am like, who did I piss off at this network? And then I get Tiana and then K. Trevor Wilson. And it's like, well, I, like a manager would have said, call up Jeff, Comedy Central, Moses or whoever, Jordy or, yeah, yeah. Go, hey, uh, you know, we'd really like it if Earl got uh, this person instead or like, so, and I'm sure it would be the same for you. Like, hey, because they want their they want their client to be happy you know and, and as a client you can say something like i don't like this can you say something about that and then they'll do their thing that's all i feel managers do um but i've never find myself in those situations so i don't feel like i really need them but you need them to to get into the door you know it's like you can't show up to the party alone the industry party you got to bring your manager to who do you know you have a manager you have an agent you know and it sucks because those guys are I think they're cluttering the art field from art to com uh, art to commerce, you know, from like you making your art and then you making money off of it. These managers and agents are clogging up that system because they're trying to get their cut too of whatever. They didn't even they didn't do anything. They didn't help bring the product to life. They didn't even work on it. So that's a whole nother fight. They're fighting it with the WGA right now, where a lot of these managers are trying to get in with writers and become executive producers. They're trying to get that credit for not doing anything. They just want to get it because, and this happened to some big time, um, like celebrities, they'll get their managers, they'll get a credit on their show. And that's just not fair compared to the talent that's on the show. You know, mm. I, Tommy Center don't pay much, you know. They do if you keep winning. If you... <laughs> I can vouch for that. <laughs> well, they, they give the wave literally peanuts. So, and uh, I mean, I'm grateful for it, but I just remember how I like working at the wave. There was a lot of hard work involved and people oh. look at what we do and they, and it, it's silly and, and it's spontaneous, but we have to go to the prop store, plan out these bits, uh, try to line them up with the comics and guess the jokes. We don't know what the jokes are going to be said. People, yeah. people used to say, maybe you guys should see the jokes. Like, no, that ruins the fun. You know, that ruins the fun. We want to be also spont uh, spontaneous with our action. But anyway, we're working on the wave. We're working hard on for doing all those props. And I remember I got uh, I got paid 
more for a week of uh, work at Carmichael than I did for every episode of Roast Battle. Welcome to Hollywood. And, I, and that's when I was like, God, dog. And I, and I worked my ass off on Roast Battle Carmichael. I mean, I worked hard too, but, you know, it was just mostly a mental workout. Well, yeah, I mean, you guys don't know what you know i'm gonna say or jimmy carr is gonna say or what coach t is gonna queue up yeah uh, you know you, what jeff's gonna say or moses you know there's so many zingers and like you don't know what sarah silverman's or judd apatow or dr ken so you guys have to be the most you guys have to actually pay attention yeah yeah and people come up to me after the show and they'll ask me which joke i like the most like i don't remember any i just remember does did that joke pop or did it not pop? Does the judge say something? Or do we have our props lined up for this bit that we have to do? You know, it, it, it's, it's time consuming and it's fun, but it's so funny to me that the people that, that don't like the wave, you know, there, there are people out there, you know, we're controversial on, on social media. Uh, they find us distracting and taking away from the art of roasting. Well, to what I say is that if you want to see someone just tell jokes to watch Yo Mama, you know, yeah. watch something like that. That's a different show. Well, I think the problem in the first season, and listen, I'm not trying to tell oh, no, it was, anyone how to do their job, but I think you guys should have had a wave camera yeah. that's directly on you guys. I, well, the thing was people that shot roast battle, they had never seen a roast battle. They were going to shoot it like it was a regular roast. They were like, yeah, we'll put a camera on the judges. We'll put a camera here and a camera here for the contestants. Who are these people? They're the wave. Oh, okay. All right. So let's uh, let's get this show started. And then they saw what we did. And right. then they're like, tell us when you guys do stuff. And then we start rehearsing with them. It was a learning process for them to how to capture the wave stuff. We would come in for rehearsal. We would tell them what bit we're going to do so they can capture it with the camera. The best part about the Montreal one, if you were in the green room, um, you got to see the uncut one so you got to see us really wild out and what they cut together on um on comedy central of us was not not that it looked distracting it was like it looked like we were idiots that was trying to ruin a show rather than enhance it yeah um, but crashing they shot that beautifully i wasn't there <laughs> gee i really enjoyed that episode what was the episode about? Let me think about it. Let me think about it. Oh, yeah. It was about a guy battling this girlfriend, and they had troubles after. Gee, where did they get that idea from? Oh, oh who knows? Who knows? Oh. Thank you. I'll see you in the writer's room. Oh. oh. I mean, what? yeah, let's not... Uh, never mind. No, obviously. Did you watch the episode? It was too hard for me to watch. Yeah. I could not. I did I, not. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking. Like you'd have just been judging the whole time. Well, no, I um, you know, uh, as someone who battled two girlfriends on the show, mm -hmm. um, and and had problems with both, uh, not immediately, but um, relatively soon after said battles, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I, I felt very connected to that episode. Yeah, obviously, it's a slice of your life. Yeah, let's put some New York comics in who had nothing. <laughs> Who had nothing to do with that. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, that they, I think, because Pete Holmes is a fan of Roast Battle. Yes. So I think he. And Judd Apatow. Oh, yeah. I mean, Judd's he like. Too. He came and sat down for one of the episodes. Judd's the best. I had a chance to talk to him until uh, the Comedy Store lawyer was cock blocking me in the conversation. I'm like, dude, this is Judd Apatow. Like, 
I don't have access to someone like him going on at one in the morning at the store. Beat it. Yeah. And then Judd went and talked to someone else. Of course. And I'm talking to the comedy store lawyer. Oh, my God. About uh, Poontine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in this business, you got to seize the opportunity. I remember I had something similar to that when we were in Montreal for Roast Battle. And this is back when Louis C.K. This is before the allegations. I mean, the, the word was out. But it was never out there. So Louis K is top of his game. He had saw Rose Battle in Montreal. He sat in the audience and he came into the green room area and he looks at someone. I feel someone staring at me and I turn around and he's just staring at me and he comes walking towards me and he goes, hey, you're part of the wave, right? And I go, yeah, he goes, huge fan of your work and shook my hand. And I was like, oh, my God, Louis K is a fan of my work. This is amazing. And I'm thinking this is this is going to I'm going to use this for the rest of my life. And then the allegations dropped. And I was like. Well, it was fun while it lasted. You know, I never met Louis C.K. What are you talking about? Uh, Louis who? Well, it's, I mean, you know, I mean, what can you do? I watched the Cosby show as a kid. Yeah. I was a fan. It's tough. It's like beat it. I, I, I think you have to you have to separate the art from the person. It's tough. Like, you know, uh, I know you're a Michael Jackson Absolutely, fan. Absolutely, yeah. And you do a, a killer uh, dance routine that I feel like I'm watching Michael Jackson. Oh. And Beat It is probably my favorite song of all time. Eddie Vedder comes in there. Uh, yeah, he does the guitar solo. And, and I just, I'm, I have trouble with, with I, I have no idea. If this, is, this is my, my two cents on Michael is that in my heart, I want to believe nothing happened. But there's so much damn evidence. And and it's not like evidence that he had sex with these kids. It's just that he was like, he just did weird shit around kids. Like would, he would, like he had, he would have sleepovers, you know, with these kids. Yeah. And he would, and I read this in a book. And he would say things like, I have to go to the bathroom and masturbate. If I don't, I'll be crazy all day. You know, like he didn't masturbate in front of the kids, but he did talk about masturbating in front of the kids. Like that's... Michael, you kind of crossed line. I think he kept crossing lines. I don't think he actually had sex with those kids, but I think lines were all crossed a lot. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I kind of think he did, but like, I have zero proof. Like, I just, yeah. uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. But, uh, you know. Uh, were people afraid back in the day to come forward? with? Because I feel like now everyone has a story. Everyone wants to come forward about something. But back in the day, people just. I think you just, do you want to make it or not? Wow. I mean, I was sexually harassed on the reel for uh, at uh, a meeting with the head of casting at a certain network. Mm-hmm. Um, he's no longer with us, so I don't really want to say his name. But yeah, uh, and it, you know, it didn't really bother me. I'm like, oh, this is just how the business is. But you know, when all this stuff started uh, happening, I was like, oh wow, that was pretty fucked up. It was. Uh, you know, he basically called me into his office, unzipped his pants, and said, hey. Uh, I ran a marathon this weekend. My balls are bruised. And, uh, you know, this guy was very legitimate. I mean, on this network, he casted the main show. So it wasn't like he was, I was at his studio apartment in Van Nuys. (laughs) I was in his office on the lot. Um, So, you know, 
it bothered me more when Harvey Weinstein and, yeah. you know, Cosby and, uh, you know, all that. St- it's like, wow, that was fucked up. Yeah. And you don't know what's true and what isn't. Like, you know. I guess I've, because I've, I've, I've always been like a, I don't know, like a, like an aloof guy or something like that. And always just been very naive about a lot of things that I just thought, Oh, that person was just being weird. And then I'm like, no, that person was trying to, was trying to fuck. That person was trying to get down. And you weren't ready Uh, to get down. (laughs) You were ready to get up and get out of there. Oh man. But But yeah, I mean, but you can use the business to, to sexually harass someone. Like you go in for a part, they'll talk about you as if you're an object and you are casting wise, but you know, when we were casting for Carmichael's show, and I found myself like this one girl came in, and I'm not saying I did anything wrong. I'm saying that I was put in a position that I could have been, I could have done something wrong. Sometimes these stories are, are muddy. This girl comes in auditioning for the Maxine character. She's wearing this low cut shirt. Her boobs are just hanging out. She's wearing a mini skirt, you know, just the skimpiest outfit you can wear for an audition. And I'm sitting there and luckily our casting director, they're all women. So it's me, Gerard, Ari, and three other women. And before any of us said anything, when she walked out, those women go like, what was that? What was she wearing? And I was like, yeah, that was distracting. It was very distracting, but I'm glad I didn't say, I could have chimed in and been a confident and went like, I think we found the right mm-hmm. girl, you know, and said yeah. something sleazy. And then I would have been, I've been caught up in the me too, man. I've oh. been caught up in that whole thing. How many episodes did she get? <laughs> <laughs> But you do have to be careful, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, especially at the comedy store, which is like a rumor. Uh, rumor mill, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really is a high school. It's the best place on earth, but, like, you know, you go into a room with someone, they must be fucking. Yeah. You know, you give a, a waitress or whoever a ride up the hill, they're fucking. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, I mean, I've lost probably two out of my last three girlfriends due to uh, the false uh statements or innuendos you know and it's like i never i never try to i used to be in the gossip that the comedy store gossip and then i kind of just bowed out so whenever someone tries to bring up something to me i just go i don't want to hear it this one girl came up to me and i think she had just started comedy she's probably a couple years in and she goes you know willie we talk about you us female comics talk about you you don't want to know what we say? And I said, I, I don't care. I, I don't want to know. I yeah. really don't care. I have a girlfriend. I'm, I'm good. Rebecca's the best. Yes. She's been to your home before. Haven't she? She has not been to my home. I thought you guys watched a movie one time or something. I wanted to have her on the podcast after we watched one of... Can I say who she is? Rebecca? Yeah. Yeah. Can sure. I say who... Like, can I mention her last name? Sure. Yeah. You can mention that. Yeah. Right. Willie has an amazing girlfriend uh rebecca forsyth her father is one of my favorite actors of all time the great and i don't want to say character actor because i think character actors like calling a comic an open micer yeah like in the technical sense angelo bowers who was the best was a open micer but he was far from an open micer yeah one of the top five funny in the 20 years i've done stand-up he was one of the top five funniest dudes i gotta agree known or unknown so i don't like saying character actor but william forsyth is i mean his imdb page is probably 
eight pages to and it's and it's a weird portfolio i've only seen one of his movies which one blue streak <laughs> and that's with martin lawrence you know and it's 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 not that great of a movie it has you know it's moments in it but it's not that great of a movie and uh and i was like oh yeah i met him i met him once and i was so intimidated you know because he's a he's a kind of a he's not a i'm taller than him but he's a big guy you know he has like this imposing figure you know like a like a old school hollywood actor would yeah. feel like if i met de niro he would feel bigger than me too you know even though i may be taller than him and um we hit it off fine but he is uh he's a he's an old school guy definitely he's like a 50s barber like like those not i don't want to say musky but those gruff yeah just uh like a dick butkus style exactly. like yeah like you can't you like you gotta you better man up when he's around like a smaller clint eastwood like just an old school just no bullshit you know and he's probably the most prolific character actor ever i mean is he's acted in four decades of yeah and he's still acting to this day yeah, from still. deuce bigelow <laughs> where he played the detective with a rash and a boardwalk empire i mean is it's dick tracy yeah i mean it's he looks like dick tracy like he looks like they just he just walked into the makeup trailer and they're like you're good let's get the next guy in like wow you know he's uh a fine man and he's raised a great daughter oh you, she, she's great she is uh encouraging she's an actress too um and yeah she's she's i'm a lucky guy in a weird way, look like I look at her and go, "That's William Forsythe's daughter." Like she, after I don't want to say after how we just described him, she kind of looks like him to me. Like she's definitely it, it, in a, his the daughter. eyes, the nose. Like there's no doubt about it. And I remember David Taylor, who has no filter or anything on him, goes, "When I first started dating Rebecca, he was like, oh yes, I I do know her. She looks exactly like her dad." <laughs> And then he walked away. I'm like, thank you, David. Thank you. That's Dave being nice. Yeah. But the funniest time that anyone came up to me and ripped on me was uh, uh, Ian Edwards when Chelsea Peretti started coming around to the comedy store and I was a doorman there. And I had like a little crush on her. You know, she's funny female comic. And I, oh, sure. You know, I think everyone had a crush on her. And Ian got wind of it and he goes, oh, Chelsea Peretti, you mean the female Neil Brennan? And then he walked away and I go, why, why do you guys do this to me? Like when I get excited about a girl, you gotta, you gotta bring up the fact that she slightly looks like a man. <laughs> Welcome to the comedy store, Honcho. But that's the store. I think that's, it's, that's the store for you. Like you can't, you don't go in there with happiness. Yeah. Oh, Willie's. I'm not saying you were in love with her when you first started dating her, but like, oh, Willie likes this girl. Well, let's tear that down somehow. Yeah. But people, you know what? And that's how I know that I guess I am a little respected at the store is I used to have a fear that if I was dating a girl, I'd never wanted to bring her to the comedy store around comics because you leave that girl there standing alone. That is like a antelope in a, you know, lion's den. It is, it is just meat city and you can just see guys licking their chops. Oh. But people at the store, I guess, know of me that they when I I trust certain people, I guess, around my girl to where I can be like, I'm gonna run to the restroom. Oh yeah, I mean the store. I tell every guy, don't bring your girlfriend up there and leave her alone. Yes, yeah. the wolves come out at night. You know, 
just either don't bring her at all or you know i mean it it is it is it is changing a little bit there are there's been some me too drama that's happened at the store some people has gotten banned um you know a couple of our friends actually yeah i mean it 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 goes back to the michael jackson thing where you're like okay what do i believe what do i not believe i mean she said this well in one case with one guy there was text messages so it was concrete evidence you know oh i think uh is he named after a country yes he is but there's a dude uh you know i i really want to say his name but we won't uh <laughs> Well, he was, uh, when we did the Road to Roast battle, uh, the commercial shoot, which was a, like an abandoned tire factory in downtown. Very long day. It was like 15, 16 hours. I mean, I, I don't have to tell you about No, it was too long. Hurry up and wait. And I didn't even make the billboard. Me neither. <laughs> oh, been on the show from day one. We're going to put, you know, th there was one guy on the billboard this that Comedy Central billboard really explains this business overall. There's a guy uh, over Moses' shoulder who nobody knew who they were, and I I kept asking someone who is that guy over there, and they're like oh well he had a manager who had a friend who was producing the show, so they just threw him on the billboard. Wow. It's like wait a minute, you got Willie. And I actually said this. I include every wave member. Willie, Jamar, Jeremiah, and me have been on the show basically from day one or pretty close after that. And some guy who has nothing to do with the show and isn't even a fucking comic is getting on the billboard. It was so it was so it was such a downer for me because I remember seeing the billboard and I didn't see myself on there. So I was excited about the show getting a billboard, but then I was pissed that I wasn't in the billboard. Yeah, I mean, and not that being on a billboard is going to make you famous, but, you know. Uh, well, when you see other people enjoying the fruits of your labor. Yeah. You want you want a little piece of the cut. You you want the perks, which is I want to be on that damn billboard. That was always my problem. So, but, you know, then I got to be in most of the commercials, uh, even on season two, which I wasn't on. They would always cut to that uh one thing where you guys oiled me up and I spit the water out. So I was like, all right, that's cool, I guess, you know, but, uh, you know, I mean, what made you pick the comedy store? I mean, did you have, when you left Alabama, you know, there's comedy store, there's the improv, there's the laugh factory. Did you hone in on the comedy store for no. a specific reason? No, no. I remember being at home watching minding the store on TV and that was, I was, thinking about doing stand-up at the time. I was probably like 14 or 15 at the time. And I liked stand-up, but I didn't think I could do it. And I watched Minding the Store only for like the first three episodes. And then I stopped watching it because it was just not good. Cool. And then when I got the courage to move out when I was 21, about seven years after I was 14, um, the first place I went to was the improv. I thought I had improv vibe on me. And that club felt like something to me. Right. And I seen a lot of the evening at the improvs. I've done my research in stand-up comedy. So, Damn, dude. So I was like, oh, the improv's a place. There's not many, there's nothing about the store. There's nothing out there. The store is just a mystery. At least it used to be. It still is, too. It still is. Yeah, it still is. So I went to the improv and I did the mic there. And then a few days later, I went to the store and I did the mic there. And the store was light years harder. Oh. Which I which I loved. I loved the challenge. 
and it was the bleakest. Like if you wanted to make the list, but then when you made the list, it was like, great. Now I got to perform yeah. in front of nobody. <laughs> I got to go up. You got to go up. You know, so it was that feeling. Uh, so I decided to, to, to opt out and go to the Valley and start out. So I was at the Ha Ha Cafe for my first six months. Uh, in Los Angeles, I I worked there. I did. You a, worked at the Ha Ha. The Ha Ha. I used to DJ. I used to bartend. I used to do the phone calls. I used to do the door. I did all that just for stage time. I didn't get paid. Oh no, no, Jack. And Jack, yeah, he's not gonna pay you. So I did that for my first six months, and then when I came back around, Tommy kind of saw me hanging out with Gerard and Jamar. I became my crew. Gerard, Jamar, and Angelo, and Josh Adam Myers, and Byron Bowers. Um, Adam Sajan, who I haven't seen in years. Tomaszewski. Tomaszewski, just the crew, you know what I mean? Um, I started hitting mics with them, and then the store, I would go around and I became friends with Tony Hinchcliffe and Matt Edgar, just naturally. We just had a, a bond. And Dan Badonia is also another guy. Um, and then I showcase at the store uh, in 2010, and they asked me to work there. That was my I didn't get passed. They said, you should work here. And, and then I started working there and the rest, obviously, and I worked there for a couple of years and then I got passed and I've been a paid regular there since 2012, I believe. Um, so it, it's the store. I never really seeked it. It just, it captured me. Right. You know, I, I didn't go out looking for it. And that's how it usually works. You know, when I hear stories of people, they, they go to the store once and they get hooked. It is a magical place. And it's hard to explain to people. Yeah, and and when you explain it, it doesn't it doesn't sound enticing at all. You know, there's this old black building where they're serving overpriced drinks. You know, <laughs> it's it's it doesn't sound that great, but it really is a fun place. You know, if you're in, you're in Los Angeles, you have to go by the Comedy Store. It, you have to. I mean, it's just it's like the bar in Star Wars. It's like every unsavory character, yeah, <laughs> with a couple talented people, the Han Solos of the comedy world. Yeah, uh, I mean, the improv's great too. Like, I love performing there, but it's, it's harder just, to go by the spots there. You know, it's hard to get. It's tough. I mean, uh, they put up their comics, and you know, it's uh, I treat an improv spot like a lottery ticket. Well, that was one thing about the store that that I liked that also draw was drawn to was the Tommy aspect because you say what you want about the guy, at least he was there every day in that cover booth, trying to be a talent coordinator, I guess, um, where you was watched by the talent coordinator every time. The improv, you were lucky if Rita was there, you know, because she was the one that watched and and if she watched you, it didn't really mean anything because you didn't really get passed through the open mics at the improv. Right. You could at the comedy store. So there was an end. There was a, there was like some sort of route. I didn't know how, what that route would be, but there was a way to become a paid regular at the comedy store. I mean, my only problem with Tommy was just like, uh, I, I'm, I've always been kind of a no bullshit guy. Like yeah. if, if you're not enemy, just tell me, I'll go to the improv. I'll go to the laugh factory wherever and he would uh, encourage people he had no um plans of passing like come hang out yeah it's like w i would think it would lessen your headache by having less people around that you have no intention of taking care of like but i don't mind people he hooked up like you or jamar or 
uh, you know, Matt Edgar or Hinchcliffe. Well, he didn't really hook up Jamar either. I remember <clears throat> when they were doing roast battle, um, when it when it was first popping and they were arguing amongst each other, the creators of the show were arguing amongst uh, each uh, other. I still don't know what was going on there. But I, I have no idea. I don't want to get in trouble. I, I, I don't know. All I know is it seems like it worked out extremely well for Rel. <laughs> okay, can I ask you, is it true that the show BattleBots was named after him too? Yeah, yeah. It is. No. <laughs> That's, what I heard. That's what I heard through the grave. <laughs> And um, there and and managers managers here were calling on behalf of um, of of Rel and pressuring the store to pass him if you want to continue doing roast battle there. That's what managers do. And I remember Tommy telling me this, and I and I I was adamant. I was I was furious because I said you haven't even passed Jamar Neighbors yet. You know, the the guy is ready to be passed. Oh, absolutely. You know, and you're gonna pass this other person because some managers told you to. Like, I, I thought, I thought this was the comedy store. You know, and, he, and Tommy kind of smiled, and like a couple weeks later, he passed more. I'm not mm. saying I did it myself, but maybe I helped. And, mm. But, but he, Tommy, definitely did that. I saw him do it a lot because I would work the OR and how he would tell people, "Oh, just keep hanging out, keep hanging out," and I would see people hanging out, and it's like Tommy, these people have lives they can't just hang out at the store six hours and not go up yeah i mean i would think like i like how adam does it like i don't know exactly what he says to people but if you're not his cup of tea he'll tell you in the oh, nicest yeah. way he, possible he will tell you <laughs> but i mean like you know it lightens like if i were ever a talent coordinator i would be the same way i'd be like hey man uh what you do sorry i haven't figured out how to turn off the noises yeah what is going on here got the phone banging listen i'm a one-man operation (laughs) but uh i i would just say it to comic a what you do isn't for me i don't want you to waste your time up here if you want to come up here you can but it's probably not going to happen for you anytime soon that way they know yeah what the deal is tommy would do the opposite with me he he was never going to pass me but he would be like gotta keep working on your paints you gotta move around it's like why are you giving me advice of like just tell me hey man yeah aim for me yeah you know which is why i started doing the character in roast battle like it's crazy that tommy is really the reason i got on television (laughs) it's 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 it reminds me of that Jim Carrey story where you know that fire marshal Bill. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's based off a real person. Oh, really? He was the fire marshal of the comedy store. It was like this guy, and he said he looked like that. So Jim Carrey started doing an impression of him, and that impression of him, you know, what he did on um, in Living Color, blew up. You know. So oh my God! Your inspiration usually are real people because people are characters, and sometimes they don't even see it. It just takes another person to pull it out and showcase it. I mean, I you really couldn't like Sandy Danto with Dean Delray. Right. You know. Oh yeah. You know, I find myself doing Sandy's, and I I I was talking to Dean one time, and Dean kind of went, "Yeah," and I was like, "Are you doing an impression of you right now?" Because that's how like you know how much Sandy's got that impression down. I mean, you know you've made it at the store when there's impressions going on about you. Yeah. You yeah, I, I've only had one person do an impression of me, and it was really good. Who was it? It was Jeremy Scipio. Oh, and yeah. It was, and it was such a such a very subtle impression. It was me. It was just, he just went, 
just frustrated Willie because I was always frustrated when I hosted Potluck and I always looked like I was on the brink of destruction. And so he would just go, I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm just stick around. We'll see. You know, and it was, it was hilarious, you know, but when people start doing impressions of you, people do impressions of you, you have a very, your voice, you know, and, and the way you speak, your inflections, very slow, very slow. Well, well, it's a cold business. It's going to get colder for some. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah does probably the best. Yes. <laughs> He'll do the glasses thing and yeah, suck it. <laughs> 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 it's a cold business. <laughs> um, for Ralphie May, it was a cold cut business. So uh, no. Ralphie, you knew Ralphie. Ralphie said, Earl, when I die, make fun of me. And I have. You have. You've but, lived up to that promise. Oh, absolutely. And he would love it, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I would want that. I mean, even like some sort of memorial is going to be, there's going to be some jokes flying there. Oh, yeah. Ralphie's memorial at the improv. It was like, you know, it was crazy. I mean, Jeff Ross was amazing. Like, he, he like, I'm, my respect level for him went up a thousand because mm -hmm. he, you could tell he really loved Ralphie. Yeah. And, um, he really did. You know, I mean, everyone loved Ralphie. Um, yeah, everyone. I I loved him too. He was very nice. He was very genuine. He was, yeah, he was a genuine guy. I remember he, he his roast battle. He didn't like it against uh, was it Miss Pat? Well, that was a good pairing though, because they're both kind of shit talkers. Oh, he went against Mike Lawrence. That's the one he didn't like. Well, yeah, I could understand why. Well, you know, he tried to wing it. Yeah. And roast battle is something uh, other than George Perez. I've never seen uh, anyone and Teddy Ray. Uh, yeah, they're the only two I think that can just go up there or come in this room right now and roast you and me. Yeah, where I need to be, you know, I have game plans, charts, uh, you know, uh, yeah, and Ralphie. So someone says this, then I got right. a bottle for this. Yeah, if the wave jumps up when yeah. I say that, what are they gonna uh, try and think about what you're gonna do? And uh, Ralphie just, you know, Mike Lawrence is probably the worst person in the world to wing it against. Because he's so Cause prepared. He's, he's always going to, yeah. He's going to have eight jokes. He's going to have subcategories, <laughs> jokes. As far as prolific writers, I don't know anyone that's a prolific joke writer. Like, I knew Angelo. And, right. And Angelo and Mike Lawrence are very similar, even in the looks department, too, which is weird. Um, uh, that Mike Lawrence is, that guy is a joke writing machine. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and he's uh, made for roast battle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, when they asked me to battle him on Facebook Live, uh, it was probably the scared, most scared I've ever been battling anyone. Really? Uh, well, we did a recap of the Rob Lowe roast, and uh, I, I think it was uh, Ryan Moran was like, hey, you know, to, just to tie things up in a nice bow, why don't you guys battle each other? I'm like, there's not going to be anyone in the room. He's like, oh, the camera guys will be there. I'm like, well... So, you know, it's hard enough to battle Mike with judges and a nice atmosphere. Yeah. It would be like literally j battling you right now. Oh, that's that's no good. But, but uh, you, what? <sighs> but, you know, I, you know I, I, it's hard to say who won because, you know, there's no, but, you know, I held my own, you know. Yeah, I believe you. I believe you. I, when I used to roast. <laughs> you were great. You uh, roasted Pete C, who's in Pete, chat right no, now. Really? Pete C, Pete C beat me. It was, I'm. It was a good battle. We we're going back and forth, and I, I got a little. I said a line, and it got a good laugh. And I decided to milk it by taking a step off the stage and putting my arms up to try to declare that I'm the victor. And as soon as I stepped off stage, 
I made a joke about Pete being an alcoholic. And since I stepped off stage, Pete goes, yeah, I may be an alcoholic, but my liver is the blackest thing on this stage. Boom. I'm in midair, you know, with my hands up, like I've declared the victor. Room just devoured me. Coach T's playing sounds in the back. You know, whoopsie, you know, whatever he's doing. And you're over there howling because you're, you know, the wave is, they turned their back on me. I'm a member and they went there. It was just chaos uh, against Pete. But the most nervous I was ever against was when I against, went against Mike Faverman. And the reason why I was nervous was uh, it was the first time I was just became a new paid regular at the store. And I think it was the first time they had a couple of paid regulars on Roast Battle, too. Right. Because there's not a lot of paid regulars associated with the, the show in terms of battlers. Yeah. And the reason why I was nervous is because people came in to watch it. Sebastian came and watched it. Bobby Lee came and watched it. Steve Renazizi was up. Everyone was up there. Like these, you know, older comics, veteran comics that are a class above me. And I was nervous. I was like, God, not only am I going to bomb because i thought i was just gonna do terrible i'm gonna do it in front of people that i admire that was really nervous but it turned out well and it was a great battle i my battle i think my record is two and four i think i've done six of them all the battles are fun but i always lose when it goes to another round because i'm like i'm over it at that time and they always try to milk another round out of it. even if you won the first two they're like i think we need one more like no we don't need no. one more because i got no more jokes <laughs> Got no, nothing. we don't. <laughs> but I mean, I think you and I are, are, are again similar. Like we're both competitive. Like if yeah. I won, you know, uh, I take it serious. You know, oh, you should. I mean, like it's it, there's such a potential to be embarrassed up there. It's and even more so on television. Uh, that you know, I'm competitive. It's like if I'm winning a battle, it's like I've won. I'm not. That going. was the craziest part when we were in Montreal and we're running around shopping for wave stuff, having a good time, you know, thinking about the bits we're going to do and watching you battlers walk around. You guys were a nervous wreck. You know, all of you were because it was filmed, you know, and you didn't know how it was the first time it was going to be filmed. You didn't know how you're going to look and, you know, all the camera stuff. And then you wanted your jokes to be good too at the same time. And then you got to think about your intros. I mean, Tony coming out in that you know, armor. I mean, I was like, what is going on? Tony doing an intro. I, what is happening here? Um, I, I don't, I don't miss battling at all. I don't at all. I do. But, uh, cause I love the strategy. I'm, I probably don't give many people the idea that I'm a thinker mm. and I'm probably not, but in terms of roast battle, I love going, okay, I'm going to battle Willie. He's going to probably say something about uh, my last relationship. So I got to have a rebuttal about his relationship. Uh, you know, he's going to say something about, you know, I'm so much older than him. So I got to like, yeah, you know, like I love doing that. Yeah. I can, uh, I can see that. I don't like doing that. I, you could probably be a great detective, you know, with one of those, those boards with all the pictures on it. With oh, strings. that's me. <laughs> that's how you do your roast jokes. <laughs> uh, well, this connects to this and that connects to that. Oh, don't forget this, you know. But that's like, uh, that's the fun part about roast battle for me is when you're roasting a friend. Okay, they know me. I know them. Uh, I know who they fuck. They know who I fuck. So there's going to be a joke about that. And, you know. Well, it's fun when you, have, when you battle against someone you know and you like and it's gentlemanly. Sometimes it's not like that. Well, I've only battled, I think I've been 9 to 1. I'm 9 to 1. So I've battled 12 times. Uh, 
I've only battled one person I didn't like. Oh, okay. Uh, it was fair, like, because I won't. Uh, you're going to shit on me. I better like you. Yeah. yeah. You're going to make jokes about my parents dying two months apart. I better fucking love you or I'll swing on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Uh, There's been some times where I think one time there was almost a fight in Rose Battle or it, a couple of times. Probably. Well, it was. I th let me see. It was. I know Amy. Who was it? It was a girl battle. Really? It was Jen Sturger against I think Amy Chipo, and uh, Janet said something to Amy, and then I think Edie Gibson stormed the stage and got pretty aggressive. And you know, of course, every guy in the room's like, "All right, there's three hot babes on yeah. the stage." Yeah. Oh, cat fight! Oh, here we go. Yeah. Um, I can't. I don't recall two guys ever getting close to uh, fighting. I the mean, only the only two that I know got close to fighting, and then and I may be mem remembering it wrong, but I thought it could have been Eric Marino versus Jerron Horton. Well, I think Eric was. Uh, he was. He wasn't even trying to battle. He was just trying to get under his skin. Yeah, and so that and Jerron, you know, Jerron's another dude like us. I think uh, somewhat quiet, mm -hmm. um, competitive. I mean, he's an athlete. I mean, you guys are like athletes. Uh, I mean, as you can see, so am I by my many ball hockey trophies. Jesus Christ. How many seasons is that? That's uh, well, when you're 49, you get in a lot of seasons. <laughs> but Eric, well, you're right. It was just kind of a, he wasn't even roasting. He was just, I gave you this opportunity and I, whatever else he was yeah. saying. And uh, Jerron's like, you could tell the look on his face. He's starting to square up and he's a big dude. Like yeah. he might be laying a little on I the look. He used the box. Too. Yeah. He's so it's not someone I would antagonize yeah. to be honest. So uh yeah, I mean I try and uh but you know when you do roast battle on television, you're not necessarily in charge of who you're battling. Yeah. So you could end up uh you know, I know in the roast battle UK version but they don't you like get together with the roaster and kinda like this gives the dirt on me and then there's the dirt on you. Yeah. I mean uh swap stories and stuff. Well, I mean, my I'm so known at the comedy store. It's like my shit's out there. Yeah. So, uh, but if it's like in Montreal, I I asked Tom Ballard, hey, what do you need to know? You yeah. Know, with Jimmy, I think uh, he did his own research, but I would have told him. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Sarah and me obviously knew each other, and uh, Kay Travers. I said, hey, this is. Uh, I think I sent him an email like when we knew it was going to be us. Uh, said, hey, if we do battle Sunday night. Uh, you know, here's you know mm -hmm. this that, and man. that was another thing you guys had to worry about. Like, if you won, who would you? You have to write jokes for two people, basically three, three. Wow. Because in the second season, I think they did it a little fairer, where they got more days off in between, so you were more prepared. Of, uh, but like on Friday night, I beat Jimmy Carr. So Friday night, I started writing jokes about uh, Mike Lawrence, uh, Sarah Tiana, and K. Trevor Wilson. Wow. Because I knew I was battling Sarah, but then I was like, well, I don't know who's going to win between Mike and Kay Trevor. So you had to write for both. Wow. So uh, I think I always thought, and, I, and I've been saying this about Roast Battle for years, and I even tell Moses this, that it should go more towards a professional wrestling ass, like approach. Um, create storylines, uh, create divisions. Like you have your undisputed champion. And then I think it'd be funny if you had a woman's champion too. And not saying because you want to categorize women's right. champion, but it'd be funny if a gay guy owned the women's championship. <laughs> right. Or a woman's champion became the undisputed champion. She's holding two belts. You know, 
just making it like that and then doing um quick roast champion where you just do one round right. you know and then really build up these 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 roasters like you guys you you all have your own story we've seen you so much we know what you're going to bring to the table so i would love to see Earl versus whoever that I know that would be a good match, you know? Well, I just think, uh, I agree with everything you just said. It, it, and I think that the battles are always better when they know each other. Uh, you know, so hopefully there's a built-in storyline already. Like, yeah. you know, I would have done season one completely differently uh, in terms of the battles. Like, you know, you had me and my ex-girlfriend in the show. I mean, that's... I don't know how they didn't put us together. Like, who? I mean, who? It's like he's the oldest roaster, she's the youngest. They just broke up. That's a storyline you need no writers for. Like, yeah. it's, you literally, it's like just give them the two mics. And we had already battled once before. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would have put Renazizi instead of someone from New York who he didn't know. Uh, I would put him up against either me, Hinchcliffe, or Tiana. Yeah. And then stuff like that. And then you put Mike Lawrence against. I almost forgot about the Renazizi one. Man, you and I remember watching it. It was painstakingly just. It was tough. It was tough. But at the same time, I, it felt like he needed to go through it. Well, I don't know if roast battles, the uh, venue I would choose for redemption. <laughs> well, like, I mean, if you. If, I mean, if you said you fake 9-11 and you want some redemption and you throw yourself in roast battle, that's pretty admirable. A little bit. To me, I, I was like, you know, you, that's what you're going to hear. You, and, you, and then people that may not know about it will now know about it and it will stay there. Like it's. But I would just think that like it would have been a better battle if it was against Tony, Sarah, me. Um, he wouldn't have been as nervous. I tell wouldn't you have been as nervous. He had Danish and O'Neill helping him write, so they would have gone. Especially if it was me, they know my areas of. So you know, Sam is Sam Morell and Steve just had no chemistry. Mm -hmm. So it was just like oh, that joke's not funny. That joke's not funny. And then Steve stumbled on his joke, and then it was over. And like I would have put Sam Morell against Mike Lawrence. They know each other. Yeah. Mark Norman against uh, Christy Cielo. They know each other. Like I would have had an LA bracket, a New York bracket, an international bracket, you know, where Tom and Jimmy knew each other, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but you know, I'm a roaster. I'm, I don't know what a TV executive. It kind of sounds like you would run it like little league baseball, like how they do the little league world series. Well, yeah. You know, you, you want uh, Huntington beach to play against orange County. They know each other. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not, <laughs> you know, I just, uh, in season two, I would have uh, cast it differently. Like, uh, you know, the LA New York battles weren't good because it's like, all right, you know, this person doesn't really know this person. It's just going to be generic. Willie, you look like, well, you know, you and I would be a great battle. Yeah. Cause we know each other. We love each other. Nothing's going to be taken personally. Uh, that's how I would do it. But you know, the familiarity of it really helps a lot. No, I agree. That's, that's why the Mike Lawrence, not Mike Lawrence, the Mike Faberman battle that I did, turned out well is because we genuinely like each other and respect yeah. each other. So you're not gonna I'm not gonna cross a line to where, you know, someone wants to get physical. Yeah, I mean uh or at least trying to embarrass someone, you know. Some people go into that thinking that's what they want to do. I want to embarrass this person. It's like Well some people have done that to me and you know what? It just didn't quite work out. <laughs> but uh 
you know, I just think because if you if you don't like the person, it's just shitting on them. Yeah. You know, and that's not roasting to me. Like, you know, but I did like how Roast Battle UK did it. It was people who knew each other. You don't need storylines mm -hmm. because, you know, like you and I would be a great battle because it's like, okay, he was the co-host or not the sidekick on the Willie Hunter show. They got a chemistry, you know, maybe you could spin it the hater against the wave or, or something. There's almost no storyline that needs to be read. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, you'll be sitting by that phone waiting. Well, you know, listen, uh, never say never, <laughs> but I don't worry about it. Cause like, I don't, you can't, you can't worry. About uh, it. you know, I did Anna Valenzuela's podcast, uh, 12 questions with Alex Duong and she, she had a great question of how do you surrender? And in terms, cause th that's the number one question I get is, will you do roast battle again? Uh, you know, and the jelly. So is that coming back? And it's like, I, I can't. It's out of my hands. Yeah. I, I, I don't worry about things I can't control. Yeah, you'll drive yourself nuts. Like the Carmichael show. I mean, I'm sure every week someone's looking at the ratings going, okay, how are we doing? You know? Yeah. And like, has you been on the show? Like, how did you deal with like the constant pressure of ratings and going up against this show and that show? I mean, what, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, it's definitely, it's it's out of your hands. And all you can do is just do the best you can do and, and hope for uh, everything that turns out correctly. Willie's phone's blowing up like mad. This is what happens when you have someone who actually makes a living in Hollywood. Wow. They get <laughs> phone calls in the daytime. <laughs> but like, like, how do you deal with, like, that's an NBC show, billboards all over the city. Like, what was the pressure like each week to write the best show you can? You know, there was really no pressure at all. I thought Gerard was a great captain. I think he, he ran a good game plan to where it was always easy. And we were more focused on making sure that each episode had his voice. Right. And if we did that, everything else was going to be fine. So we never really worried about the ratings um, because we always got thrown like shit positions. We'll be on Sunday one week and then they'll change us and put us on Wednesday the next week. So they never really set us up for success, but we did succeed critically, which was that's that's where we, it didn't matter for us for the ratings because the critics really liked they would go out of their way and write these nice articles about the show. So that gave us a little um, ease at, no, how many people are watching our show? Oh, we only have four and a half million and Blackish gets five million, you know? I'm like, you can't compare the shows. They're different. No, you can't. And I was happy that we had three seasons, you know? That, that, was, that was the coolest thing. I was very, very, very grateful for three seasons of television. And you were nominated for an Emmy, right? The episode yeah. you wrote. Well, the episode I wrote... And everyone keeps everyone says Emmy. It's not an Emmy. It was a Writers Guild Award. Well, I like to exaggerate, but I, and I like Emmy, so I'm not going to correct. Um, and I went to the award show, and our the episode that I wrote lost to a Will and Grace episode. It's a cold business, Willie. <laughs> it's welcome to Hollywood. It could have been worse. You could have lost to a Blackish episode. Uh, 
And everyone at our table went, Will and Grace? And I mean, everyone was shocked, you know, because they're like, no one's, no one's watching the new Will and Grace, but it's, you know, it's a gay show. Well, you know, <laughs> but what can you do? Like, it's, it's, it's out of your hands. I was happy to be nominated. I had a good meal and I had a couple of drinks, did the red carpet. It was, it was fun. I'd, I'd love to do it again. I get nominated for something. I always thought I wouldn't like to do award shows and stuff, but uh, TV's on. <laughs> Sorry, I really am a one-man operation. Uh, God damn it! Sorry, guys. Uh, this is what happens when you're a one-man show. The clicker doesn't work, and we have. Uh, I did not pay for MSNBC to advertise <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, but it, now, what's next for Willie? Right now, I want to get back into the performing side. I think I've been neglecting that for the past few years. I'm still going to write. I want to get staffed on a show or something, but um, I want to get back out there and, and show people that I am, too, a good performer. I think uh, people only knows, knows me as a writer, and I do late spots at the comedy store, but I'm a pretty good comic, too. You know, I, I like to think that I'm funny, and I, I want to show the world that. So that's what I'm really focusing on now. Of course, bringing the Willie Hunter show back, you know, with you as well. Uh, we're going to try to do that at the Dynasty Typewriter. I think that's what it's called, um, the new place. Jamie Flam, the... Uh... Flam's place. Uh, we're going to talk to him. Um, and just cr keep creating, as, they, as what people keep saying, creating content. That's, that's what people want, I guess. So we keep creating content. And uh, and have fun. That's, I want to make sure to keep having fun. Because every now and then I get stressed over little things. Like I had to get new managers. And it was such a stressful ordeal. And then I was like, it's not that. This is a, these are good problems here. You know? Oh, yeah. Some people don't even have a manager. Yeah, you're but staring at one right now. <laughs> Three TV shows. I can't get a fucking manager. <laughs> Welcome, Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a cold business. Yeah, it's getting colder in here. <laughs> now, I like That's to do a little tease. Okay. We got a few minutes left. Okay. I, I'm going to ask you a question, but I'm going to cut the Facebook Live off before you answer it. Okay. So for the Facebook Live fans, where can they find you on social media and whatnot? Uh, Twitter, you can find me at Will Hunter Show. Uh, Instagram, Willie underscore Hunter. And my phone number is 323. No, I'm not giving you my phone number. Uh, Rebecca's like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> that's Yeah, that's where you can find me on social media. All right. Well, I hate to end the Facebook live portion with one of my favorite hockey players of all time, the legendary Sandro Sabroka in-house. Sandro, you got here too late. But for the fans, Willie, who are your comic influences? Don't answer for three seconds. Now, this is audio only now. Whoa. Wow. My comedic influence is so crazy. I, people ask me this. I, I, I feel like an old man, but my comedic influence is David Letterman and Steve Martin. Those are my... I just watched The Jerk last night, too. And it was it was amazing. So those are my comedic influences. What uh, like my comedic influence was like Archie Bunker because not for the racial stuff, but like, <laughs> but I just really dialed in on how he would say something so offensive and and obviously horrible, but yet you somehow liked him. Yeah, 
why did you like uh, David Letterman and Steve Martin? What were they well, doing? Were David you David Letterman? I like it because <clears throat> it was all a joke to him. You know, the the monologue, like he would give a horrible monologue because the whole thing's a joke. You think I'm going to sit up here and write some material so you can laugh? That was a joke. The interviews with the Slayer. I'm talking late night with David Letterman, too. The interviews with the celebrities, he would give half-ass interviews because even though, like, you're just a regular person. Right. Yeah. And Steve Martin, what I liked is his silliness. I'm a silly guy by nature. I love silliness, you know, arms flailing. That's why I do the wave. Um, but also his attention to detail, no matter how silly it was, Steve Martin really had a lot of attention to detail with every little bit that he did, no matter how silly it was. And I, and I'm that way too, about the silly jokes that I do. Like I really put a lot of thought and time into it. What is your writing process? Like me, I wake up in the morning I got the MSNBC on to see what's going on in the world. I'll go on like the Drudge Report, mm -hmm. which is a news, uh, basically a, a news information site. I'll go on Yahoo. I'll, I'll have the iTunes playing some shitty 80s band. And that actually helps stimulate my brain. Yeah. How do you go about joke writing? Similar. You know, I'll, I'll just I'll just go through all the news channels. I'll start at CNN, go to MSNBC, go to Fox. I watch them all. Um, I go to Twitter, see what's trending, um, try to come up with a tweet if I can. If I don't, I'll log out of Twitter. Um, and I do a lot of uh, a lot of putting myself in. And as much as I don't like being around people, I put myself in there. Like I go to the Grove, I'll walk around at the Grove, or I walk to the Tar Pits because I live in that area, um, or walk to the park and just have my headphones on, not listening to music, but kind of talking to myself in public. I like a crazy person. Um, that's my writing process. And for like the Carmichael show, like like I would shut down in a room. Oh yeah, that's all you have to do. You have to lock yourself in a room and, and have no distractions. Um, like what I would do whenever I would have a script to write for Carmichael, the first thing I would do is clean my apartment. I would clean it like spotless so initially you write on your own like and then you bring your so well what we would do for how we wrote an episode on carmichael was that we would come into the room Gerard would come in the room with an idea of something like say he wanted an episode about uh, uh throwing an intervention and i took one of his jokes and said you know they threw an intervention one time for his cousin and he was the one at the intervention said but she is the life of the party you know so we're you know, do we really want her to stop drinking? So we took that premise of a joke and that joke and ballooned it up into a story. All 12 writers in the room, we come up with a story around it. And then once we come up with the story, the writer goes off on his own and takes all the notes, which is 30 pages of notes and picks through it and writes the script on his own for a week. And it usually takes you about two or three days to complete an episode. Um, thoroughly and then uh you do the rehearsal and you're in the room mm -hmm. you do a table read well you well first it goes back in the room we read it as writers and then we do a table read and then there's another rewrite then there's rehearsal then there's another rewrite then there's rehearsal again then there's another rewrite and then there then there's the day of the shoot we shoot the first episode 
and then we rewrite again. And then, so the script goes through massive changes. That's why I was lucky for my script that I wrote. It didn't, it didn't go through many changes. It was, it was good upon arrival. So I was very, it made me feel good about that. What I wrote was, was good. So I was very proud of it and I was happy that it got nominated for something. And I know how those table reads can go because I did one last week for I'm Dying Up Here where my name was spelled Earl Shakel. <laughs> really made me feel good about myself. Oh, but you got to sit up there at the table with the other actors, right? Earl Shakel got to Earl sit up Shakel. there. <laughs> I mean, I get petrified in those table reads uh, just because uh, everyone's in the room who has anything to do with the show. Yeah. And so it's like, mm. and like, so I can imagine it must be a, a different kind of nerves for the writers who are like, okay, these are our jokes live. Yeah. These are our jokes. You know, hopefully the table read goes well and everyone's laughing. And then you go back to the room going, all right, this is going to be a fun day. But sometimes you leave and no one's laughing. You go, we're going to be here to four in the morning. Right. And that's happened a couple of times, you know, where the episode just wasn't good upon arrival and we had to do massive rewrites and spend 16 hours a day rewriting an episode. Um, those aren't fun days, but I rather, I wouldn't rather be doing anything else though. Oh yeah, dude, you're, you know, it's an honor to know you, dude. It's oh. Like, dude, it's your heart. I respect. I respect you. Like I said, from Alabama, I would not have done what you did to, to move the other side of the country. You know, uh, it's balls, man. And, you know. It's crazy when you think about it. It's pretty fucking crazy, but I'm glad I did it too. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what, I, what I would be doing now if I would, would never have made that move. Might be manager at a Waffle House. Probably, yeah. But seriously, I mean, there's someone out there who's a manager at a Waffle House or works at a super Walmart in Missouri who is funny enough to be famous. Yeah. And they don't have the balls or the, the insight or whatever the word is. You know, my all my friends from back at home, that's the thing they're the most proud of me of is taking the leap. It's not about if, if I achieved anything. Of course, they're happy for me when I do achieve things, but... They still to this day compliment me on it. I can't believe you did it. You know, and like that was ten years ago. You know, uh, but I, now I look back at it, I was like, oh, I see what I see what they were talking about. Now, I, you know, some people it's hard for them to get out of their comfort zone. I mean, that's an ultimate out of your comfort zone move to move where you knew nobody and uh, no connections, no money, virtually. Yeah. Uh, you know, working for free at the ha ha, you know, I mean, that's like taking an internship at Sal's comedy hall. Yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. You well, know. Willie Hunter's a great dude. Support this man. And now for our iTunes fans, give your plugs one more time, my friend. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Will Hunter show, uh, Instagram, Willie underscore Hunter. Uh, I perform at the comedy store, uh, every week. So if you're in town, you want to see me perform, look out for those lineups and hopefully I'll be coming to you soon. Any uh, TV shows we should be uh, watching for uh, writing stuff coming up? Just a few projects that are there. Can't name. You can't really talk about because there's such an early state. Right. Well, if you need a, a white, bitter uh, comic in his 40s, I'd like to submit. <laughs> I don't even care what the totally role is. Noted. Yeah, uh, I was in on the Sandusky casting for the HBO show Paterno, but 
That's another story. Did you watch the Andre the Giant documentary yet? I haven't yet? seen it yet. It's unbelievable. Is it? Johnny Scorters went to the premiere of it. <laughs> I figure so. Yeah. But by the way, you, me, and Johnny were the NWO uh, for my uh, battle right. against yes. uh, the great John Morrison, who hasn't been seen since. Oh, he's in, uh, what's the wrestling, uh, at the, they do it uh, on the L. Ray channel. Uh, NXT? No, no, it's uh, it's not TNA, it's not NXT, it's Robert Rodriguez. Uh, the one they do, uh, like, a, like Lucha Underground. Uh, like at Long Beach and stuff? Yeah, Johnny uh, John Morrison is now Johnny Mundo. <laughs> Shout out to John Morrison, my second roast battle victory ever. My first was the legend of Boon Shakalaka. Inappropriate Earl, guys. SoundCloud and iTunes. Number seven. Let's get us to number six. And just remember, hard work pays off. You can do stand-up comedy and anonymity for 20 years. And you can have the number seven podcast in the world. 